terrible start. <laughs> the cinetails. <laughs> the cock valves. The cock valves. <laughs> and cuckoos and muscles and kilmers. Yes. A lot of things happened in 2020. Yeah. The most important thing that affected all of us yeah. is that Val Kilmer published his autobiography. What's it called, Camille? It's called I'm Your Huckleberry, <laughs> which is the correct title. Yeah. I just want to shout out, um, separate from us having a Val Kilmer podcast, so obviously mm-hmm. having a bit of a predilection for Val Kilmer things. Yeah. Um, and this is also an audio medium, so I'm to describe the look of this book. The look of this book. Um... This is the most best and correct title there could possibly be for his autobiography. I'm your Huckleberry. What's the difference between an autobiography and a memoir? A memoir is pretentious. Okay. So it it is a memoir. Um, Oh, also I think in a memoir. Memoir. A memoir. I feel like a memoir is like in, in the works versus an autobiography is like I'm 90. Look at my life. Ah. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get it. Okay. Um, and the back of the book has, I'm your top secret agent. Yeah. I'm your real genius. I'm your Iceman. I'm your Mad Mardigan. I'm your Batman. I'm your Lizard King. I'm your <laughs> bank robber. I'm your saint. I'm your Huckleberry. And there's like a photo of Val in each of these movies, which I think is fucking excellent. Yeah. Like instead of... Headshots from all time. 100%. Um, instead of any sort of, like, synopsis or anything like that, or, like, another photo or something. Yeah. Do we know what the movie, uh, the the first one's from? The cover photo's Mm -hmm. from? I think it's just his headshot. Okay. It's just him. I think it's just, like, an early headshot. unfiltered Val. Mm Mm-hmm. We're looking to produce Greg. (laughs) I mean, that looks very 1995 Val Kilmer. Yeah. Like, like... To me, that looks like I'm doing Heat and I'm doing Batman in the same year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So this is an unfiltered special about the autobiography, the memoir. The memoir. And it's a bit of a crossover with cocktails. cocktails. Remember that? You probably don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> for a very brief time, Camille and I reviewed teen fiction. Mm-hmm. And then we both lost our penchant for reading teen fiction. Mm-hmm. We became in our 30s. Yes. Um, and it's harder to drink when you're in your 30s because everything makes you hungover. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for you, yeah. you, I'm pointing at the recording <laughs> device right now, for you, mm-hmm. listener, mm-hmm. we will revive Cocktails. We should have done this as a binaural episode. Ooh, that would have felt very disorienting. It's terrible. Um, so, um, what we're gonna do? We're gonna do a little um, uh, a dalliance through "I'm Your Huckleberry." Mm-hmm. We're gonna go Huckleberry picking, if you will. Mm, come with us. Oh. <laughs> we just looked under the dust jacket, and it's pretty sexy. It's yeah, pretty sexy book. It's an all white book and the front says Val Art Limited. Yep. Which, by the way, you, did you did y'all know that you can buy Valerie Kilmer's paintings online? Mm-hmm. Originals. Yeah. Originals. 
Now you do. Yeah. Uh, Use so- coupon codes. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, so what we're going to do, there are 46 chapters in this book. Mm-hmm. We're going to roll some dice mm-hmm. and we're going to do some math, which will probably get progressively harder as the night goes on. And we will read... The chapter, and whenever, t- and whenever time, whenever Val does a brag, mm-hmm. we're going to do a shot. A big, thick brag. A big, thick brag. An obvious brag. Yeah. Great. <laughs> would you like to roll first, Kayla? Oh, I would love that. Okay, here we go. We've got a couple of uh, Dungeons and Dragons dice. Which ones are these, Ellie? We have two D20s and a D6, Great. because there's 46 chapters in... Yeah, a little dice ASMR. <laughs> Get it. That is... A six, a 15, and a two. 23. Great. Okay. And chapter 23 is... Doc, Doc Holidays. Holidays. <laughs> oh my god, I literally opened right to it. It's Kismet. All right. I'm going to start this one off here. Doc Holidays. I'm proud of the work I did on Billy the Kid, a made-for-TV western written by Gore Vidal. More thoughts on Gore Vidal later. The towering member of the literati. Are they... Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Are they doing a reboot of that in Calgary right now? Billy the Kid? Yeah, you bet. (gasps) Really? It's Kismet. Wow. That's Kismet. In thinking about the role, I may have had in mind Brando's Kid Rio, the hero of the only movie Marlon ever directed, One Eye Jacks. Pause. Greg, have you seen this movie, One Eye Jacks? Mm, I, I've, I've only hear tell of One Eye Jacks and how bad mm. it is. Gotcha. Other question, Greg. One Eye Jacks, is that not the name of the bar in Canada from Twin Peaks? That they go to? I think it is, yeah. Great. Hey. Any Twin Peaks yeah. fans out there? Shout out. Because <laughs> it's, it's definitely a reference to Jax, right? To yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's One-Eyed Jax, yeah. Yeah. Mm, interesting. That film was made when I was an infant. When I was an adult and Brando's friend, he told me that at some point, every film actor must make a Western. When I asked why, he answered with his famous half-smile and the words, You know damn well why. That's what he sounded like in real life, right? Yeah. (laughs) Great. I presume the why has to do with basic Americanism. One way or the other, Americans have to deal with the West and its glorious, sordid, and sadistic past. Marlin knew that the West represents both our territorial salvation and our mortal sin, our gain and our greed. We fought lawlessness to create an even more lawless law, one that excused and perpetuated genocide. Even, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Even today, this gun-obsessed nation that we love remains admired in a dilemma centered on pistons and rifles, pistols Pistols. and rifles, (laughs) with romantic ties to our murderous past. We love Westerns. We learn everything from Westerns and yet learn nothing from them. That's deep, Val. That's fucking deep. That's good. Yeah, it's good. It's true. This is nice. We continue killing ourselves in unconscionable ways. The archetype of the gunslinger, played with a naturalism that only Brando could invoke, is ever present. I could never give up the chance to play such a character. That's why when I had the chance to play Doc Holliday, I grabbed it. I've entitled this tome, I'm Your Huckleberry, for many reasons. I like the unintentional echo of Huckleberry Finn, which is my favorite novel and features my favorite character. I also realized that that the line I, playing the diseased Doc Holliday, articulated has become iconic. That sounds like a brag. 
You can't just call yourself iconic. Yeah. We're going to do a shot of whiskey. Oh. Can I have a shot of whiskey? Yes, you may. Absolutely, Greg. Um, If you're doing shots of whiskey, I'll join in for the whiskey part. Yeah, while we're paused. It's true. Um, So our selection of shots, if you want to play along at home or anything like that. It's just whiskey. It's just whiskey. Um, Or if you're a whiskey company and you'd love to sponsor it, we have um, Woodford Reserve. Yep. Um, White Owl Spice Whiskey. Mm -hmm. And And Alberta Premium. Alberta Premium. Whoop, whoop. Um, Pause. Uh, Huckleberry Fit. Tom, so, okay, A, what's the actual title of that book? B, has anyone read it? The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. That's the one. And Tom Sawyer? And Tom Sawyer, or is it just Huckleberry Finn? He's I th- the main I think it's just one. Huckleberry Finn Okay, Tom, fuck Tom Sawyer's Sawyer. in it. Tom Sawyer's in it. Tom, Tom Sawyer's, Sawyer's another a separate book. book. It's a separate okay. book. And then they and have a Venn diagram. Yeah. It's a shared... Yeah, wait, Mark it's a Twain... Tom, yeah. It's a Mark Twain cinematic universe. Yeah. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Is it good? Have you read it? I don't know. I just played the pig. Great. <laughs> Oh, you were in the play. Oh, I understand. Yeah, you did the banjo. Yeah, I did the banjo and I played the pig that he kills. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. I've never read a... I've never read a Mark Twain novel. I've never read a Mark Twain novel, nor a poem, or uh, Bon Mo. He does Bon Mo's? I imagine. What's a Bon Mo? <laughs> it's like a recipe, but sexier. Oh, great. Craig, you explain it. Uh, did you hear the latest Bon... Like, I always... Uh, I always, like... <laughs> Logistic shop. <laughs> Cocktails. Cocktails. It's good whiskey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta breathe through it, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Um, Bama. Bama is like a clever saying, right? Like uh, Oscar Wilde was famous for them, right? That's... Yeah, he did have a lot of quips. Yeah, I always thought of them as like uh, playwright tweets. Before, you know, yeah, a tweet yeah. before Twitter. Before Twitter. Yeah, yeah okay. That's, that's yeah. what I always thought of. And so, you know, like a humorist or a, or a writer or a satirist mm-hmm. would have plenty of witty bon mots. Right. Which is like a recipe for humor. Great. <laughs> uh, I also realized that the Lion Eye, playing the diseased Doc Holliday, articulated, has become iconic. I speak it before shooting to death the fearsome Johnny Ringo, played by world's greatest actor, Michael Bean. By the way, he didn't call Michael Bean the world's greatest actor. I did. Mm-hmm. By the way, despite <laughs> you can learn more about him on our new podcast, Bean There, Done That. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, that's so good. Okay, pause. Because if we did a Michael Bean podcast, think about the movies we'd be able to watch. Right! Aliens. Yes. Uh, the, Abyss. the Abyss. Yes. Yeah. Doc Holliday, we've already... Or fucking Tombstone, Tombstone we've already done. Tombstone, Terminator. Yeah. Terminator 2, director's uh-huh. cut. Uh-huh. Because he shows up in that. Is he hey. in Starship Troopers, or did I make that up? He's not in Starship okay. Troopers. Okay, I made that he up. He is in Grindhouse, though. Great. Which one? Uh, He's in uh, Planet Terror. Planet Terror. Planet Terror. That yeah. sounds great. Great. He, and a lot of other movies, of course, but those are great. Mm-hmm. I bet there isn't a Michael cast not yet very quick you could easily do that between projects limited series (laughs) yeah yeah rice and beans (laughs) by the way some fans contention that in the 1800s the handles of caskets were called huckles and thus the word hucklebearer it was a term for pallbearer i do not say i'm your i'm your hucklebearer i say i'm your huckleberry connotating i'm your man you've met your match 
In trying to understand the character of Doc Holliday, it is important to remember he's a fallen aristocrat, frustrated by his inability to express his authentic self. His greatest retribution for this loss was a caustic wit. His tongue was more lethal than his pistol. Throughout the drama, he's dying both of drink and tuberculosis. In playing him, I thought- But like mostly tuberculosis. <laughs> mostly tuberculosis. Coughs into <laughs> handkerchief. <Bloody> handkerchief. Red. <laughs> In playing him, I thought of what my dear friend, the great screenplay writer Robert Town, had taught me. This also seems like a brag. I'm sorry. My great friend Robert Town, <laughs> Academy Award winning screenwriter and contributor to such films as The Godfather. He barely says that, but he does, you know? Yeah. Like, like he knows what he's saying. Robert Town was widely considered to be the greatest screenwriter of the 70s. Cocktails. Cocktails. Oh, so I've convinced them to drink. Mm -hmm. Oh, congratulations. You finished the, the oh, I'll finish the wood mm -hmm. reserve. Yes. That's, that's good. Our goal for this evening is to get rid of some uh, dreggy booze that we've got. I mean, really, it's a chore. It's a house. It's a house. Can't We're really doing housework right now. I can't believe you yes. guys are doing this. This is absurd. What do you mean? He says as he takes another shot. Had a number of bottles of wine before this context. <laughs> Did you know that you can carbonate a bottle of Copper Moon in a soda stream? Yeah, the soda stream people don't want you to do it, yeah, but you really can don't. do it really you can do easily. It, and it really it, elevates it, Copper it, Moon's palate. It legit it makes it so much better because the bubbles uh, distract Hide you the from taste. the flavor. <laughs> are you, you, you going to keep reading this chapter? Yeah, yeah. Gonna, right, yeah we're gonna I'm it. just wondering if you want to do a new one because oh. like, there's so many. Well, let me finish the page. Oh, oh, all right, we'll finish the thought, yeah. Where was I? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. This one's dumb. <laughs> Here comes the guys. Doc Holliday. Uh, we have uh, an episode on Tombstone if you want to listen to our uh, in-depth review of the movie Tombstone. Very good. Plug your of podcast. Course. Yes. <laughs> uh, I've rolled a 33. Ooh. So we're going to the chapter more, more, more. Oh, could be anything. Could be, I feel like, okay, so I, uh, behind the scenes, I bought this book when it came out. Obviously, I pre-ordered it. Um, hard copy, because I'm classy. Um, and it's kind of a mix between um, chapters about specific project, like specific films. Um, That's a brag. And like a third of it is like some tea about relish like hot yeah, hollywood romances it's dishy which is great he, um it and also i also want to say unlike here's my here's my opinion here um unlike a lot of i've read like a number of celebrity biographies and like band biographies and things like band that. biographies yeah yeah, yeah like the, like um the dirt, the dirt. yeah, yeah oh, like scar tissue i thought you meant like not allowed biographies walk this way oh, yeah, like like rock biographies, like musical band. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not you're not allowed to have them. <laughs> yeah, um, and a lot of them are well, legitimately, a lot of them are fucking re uh, co-written slash entirely written by Neil Strauss, right? Um, or or others, but mostly Neil Strauss. Um, but they're like, oh, with the Red Hot Chili but with the person who actually wrote all of them, and you know, like they were all just interviewed and they cobbled together the stories. And then the writer made them into a book. Mm -hmm. um, but this is legitimately, I believe, 100% Val Kilmer. It feels like Val. Yeah, I'm sure because, like, 
editors exist and like publishing houses i'm sure an editor went over and was like oh grammatically like this sentence doesn't work or this yeah. should be in this order but a hundred percent like there was not a ghostwriter i don't believe a ghostwriter was involved in this at all this is a hundred percent val yeah that's that's my that's my thoughts that's my hot take that's my <laughs> endorsement question mark sometimes it's super phones. more 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 Years later, I was rescued from an icy inferno of solitude by another angel. Perhaps the most soulful and serious of them all, Angelina. What? When people ask me what Angelina Jolie is like, I, I always say she's like the other women. She's like other women and other superstars, but just more. More gorgeous, <sighs> more wise, more tragic, more magic, more grounded. Is it worth it? Worth knowing people who require weeks of effort to understand even a little? Yes. These paradigms of power and prowess are women, are the women who have inspired men throughout history to fight battles, build nations, and leave their lives and wives behind. I melt at the sight of girls like these, not because I am masochistic, but because I am a slave to love. Love is capitalized. I am a hopeless romantic. I haven't had a girlfriend in 20 years. My editor, who is not as averse to Googling as I am, says 15. But time isn't real anyway, so what's the difference? Yeah, <laughs> legit, 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 Val. Time is a dimension in, that is in constant flux, oh in, flu, influenced by gravity, and perhaps a timekeeper. The truth is, I am lonely part of every day. We all know how that goes. Help, I need somebody. Hmm. Help, not just anybody. Oh, he's quoting song lyrics. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. We sing along with the impossible yearning and tap our toes to the beat. No matter what we possess, more most of us want more, more, more. Is this the survival instinct and essence of the human being, or is it just capitalism? We dream, we desire, we adapt, we play. I'm sorry, he's... Kind of good, isn't he? Yeah. He's kind of yeah. good at this. Mm-hmm. At, at, like, he, he feels pretentious, but it's also at the same time, like, it's well-written. Yeah. Kind of pretense. The thing about pretense, yeah, there's, like, a thin filament between pretense and, like, oh, fuck, that's deep as shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and it's hard, to, it's hard to toggle between the two. And I feel like, hot take, I feel like it's hard, particularly if you're a... Uh, Famous person like Val Kilmer, you're like, how do you get actual feedback? Mm. Yeah, like totally. Really, if you've been famous for like 40 years, um, who do you source for actual feedback? Yeah. You know, like we've, you know, the three of us have all received um, feedback from like peers or people who are like in a mentor position mm -hmm. or whatever kind of thing in different, in different ways. And you're like, fuck, if you've been globally famous and rich and whatever for decades and decades... Who do you actually trust for notes? Yeah. You know? And at what point are you like, oh, yeah, no, what I have is great. This person's, like, I'm not resident, you know, because, like, at a lower level, you're like, oh, this dramaturg or this editor or this, like, person who's giving me feedback or notes, whoever the person is, you're like, I don't really resonate with them. Like, I think we're doing different things. So, like, my story is not their story like they're trying to tell my story but like I've got a thing like whatever that is sort of thing but at what point if you're mega famous are you like 
oh, those are really good. Like I should implement those. Or you're like, no, you're trying to impose a thing on me. Or yeah. You just don't click. Like whatever yeah. it is. So high stakes to be vulnerable. I don't know. High stakes to publish in a memoir. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think, um, you know. Uh, when I, when the King's speech came out, mm-hmm. uh, I was talking to someone, I don't remember who, who was like, yeah, well, he's the fucking King of England. What problems does he have? Like, people in positions of privilege are allowed to have problems, too. Mm. Yeah, because I guess the, the spotlight is the brightest on Earth. Yep. So, that's the trade-off. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Angie didn't remember when I stopped her on the street when she had just wrapped Gia and a Rolling Stones music video. Gia's so good. I haven't seen it. It's amazing. Is it good? It's so good. Is it too hot to handle? Yes, it is. Oh, I think so. Or is that original sin? Oh, that's original sin. Yeah, Gia was like an HBO movie, I think. Anyway, it's amazing. Great. I saw her so far down the street that I had enough time to catch my breath and calm down and then work myself back up again and, com- and act completely the fool. I had told her I heard, uh, I had told her what she'd heard her whole life. She acted like no one had ever told her she was one of the most striking women in the world. I asked if she was an actress, blah, blah, blah. I wanted to wash the filthy New York sidewalk for her many mi- uh, for her however many miles she cared to cover that crisp autumn day. Years later, when Oliver Stone asked us to play husband and wife, not just husband and wife, but king and queen, uh, <laughs> warring over the very soul of their own son, the future ruler of the entire empire of the civilized world, <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh at the irony. <laughs> we developed a friendship. I was around when Angie's mom was losing her battle with cancer. They were living in her mom's favorite hotel. Or maybe it was Angie's. I happened, to stay, I happened to be staying there myself. It was meaningful and mortal and effortless and exquisite. That's really lovely. That's yeah. nice. That's yeah. nice. That's a nice wow. memory. That is a nice memory. Well, we got stuff. through it. Damn. Yeah. Good job, Val. Yeah. The film was Alexander. I told Oliver I'd only do it if the king and queen could have flashbacks to falling hard for each other and storming the castle with passion before turning against each other. I was half kidding. He didn't pick up on the humor. What? I tried to clarify. <laughs> Finally, I just sighed. Oh, what? I tried to clarify. Finally, I just sighed. Oh, never mind. I just dig her, Oliver. It would be nice if we had some flashbacks where they're in love and happy together. Oliver was on a mission to realize that his 25-year dream of bringing Alexander to the screen uh, 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 and wasn't in the mood for clowning. Got a room, Val. This film isn't about you. It could have been, but I guess you weren't ready. Whoa! Whoa! That's great! That's good. That means he offered him the role. Oh, he yeah. would have been great. He would have uh, been great. Yeah, he would have been night, great. Like, after the doors, like in that yeah. era. Mm-hmm. He would have been great. I think he's about to talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> if you haven't heard our episode on Alexander the Ultimate Cut... Please listen it's great. to it. It's Check worth it a rewatch. It's a good movie. If you've seen Theatrical Cut, the Theatrical Cut, Theatrical Cut is garbage. Yeah, it's garbage. Uh, watch the good one. Yeah. Um, ah. There was the old salt in the wound, Oliver. I'd come to know and love. 
He was talking about the time right before we'd wrapped the doors and he was encouraging, but more like demanding. I read all the books I could on Alexander the Great, but I didn't really have a firm grasp on what he wanted to do with it all. It's like saying you're going to do the story of Genghis Khan. Okay, good luck with that. You're gonna film with real armies and cross the Bering Strait? Sure, give me a call when you get the money. Pause. Did Genghis Khan cross the Bering Strait? Where's the Bering Strait? The Bering Land Bridge, like to Canada. Oh shit! Like, between Asia and Canada. Did that happen? Holy okay, shit. listeners, that's... write in if you know any archaeological yeah, teams. Yeah, fucking mind blowing. Holy that's, shit! That's wild if that's a true yeah. fact. A fact that we learned the other day that I don't remember from where um, was that Genghis Khan's empire was like three times the size of Alexander the Great's. Oh yeah, yeah. it's it was the was largest that... contiguous land yeah. empire the world has ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, it went from like the tip of. All the way from from where Russia ends on that end until where Europe begins. He conquered Asia. Yeah, he he owned Asia. It's Wikipedia has an incredible uh, growing map. I love maps. And like when you go to like the Mongolian Empire, it goes like boom, 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 boom. It just like has like a flash thing that just grows, Mm -hmm. grows, grows, grows. Whoa! And it's it's really really cool. Wow! Wow! That's, that's a lot. Yeah. Nevertheless, I couldn't wait to rehearse. I couldn't wait to kiss Angie. Buy her a, <laughs> comma, buy her a Gulfstream jet. Val, she can buy her own jet. That's true. Told you. And have V plus J painted in <laughs> rainbow glory on the tail. Fuck, I wish that plane existed. That's amazing. Yeah. She had recently adopted her first child... <laughs> So much to come. Maddox and the paparazzi were obsessed with this postmodern Madonna. The perfect picture of unapproachable stardom and impossibly chic maternal instinct. I believe in the power of beauty and the art of love, capital L, itself. Now consider, as I must, the reality that the similarities between father and son will be striking to any discerning reader of this book. I like to say I played out my affairs in three acts. Act one was that I wouldn't reveal myself because I was investigating whether I wanted to marry a girl or not. Then, after we fought and determined we were utterly wrong for each other, I could say, quote, you don't know me at all, (laughs) end quote, true. But I also hadn't even tried to let her in. Act two was about trying before I was ready. I was ready. I married Joanne, ready, Joanne Whaley, ready for the bliss of everlasting companionship, but secretly hoping it would heal me and fill in my black holes. Of course, only God can fill in those holes, a fact that we humans often ignore. So the great depression of our marriage came when we realized we couldn't fix each other. Oh, oh a good realization. Act three incorporates my more recent romantic history. You'll soon see that I worked feverishly at sustaining relationships with two remarkable women. That sustenance was based on being open, grounded, and self-loving and allowing someone to compliment rather than complete me. Allowing someone to compliment rather than complete me. I understand. It takes a wild amount of self-growth and evolution to keep a romance alive. With Cindy... I try Crawford. That's a fucking brag. Get out of here. Cocktails. Cocktails. I spilled it. They are on to the spice whiskey now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In the aftermath of that (laughs) relationship, I saw. 
find by reading, 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 books have always sustained me, especially when the blues blow through like a hurricane. At this point, I realized not only a book, but an author I have loved since childhood. It's totally Mark Twain. On some level, the, the author's central subject was childhood itself. His genius was in relocating the humor and joy of long forgotten childhoods. Humor and joy were just what the doctor ordered. That's the end of the chapter, so we're gonna roll again. Camille. Okay, here we go. You get to the front page. Oh boy. Whoa, hey. Okay, I got 11, 4, 17. Uh, 32? Right? That's right. Yeah, sure. If it's wrong. sounds good. The sinner is the saint. Oh! oh. My bid for an ever-blooming franchise fruit was basically what you might call a Tom and Jerry movie. I put James Bond, Ethan Hunt, Jason Bourne, Jack Ryan, all the rest in this category. The cat tries to catch the uncatchable mouse. All else is window dressing. The saint had lots of window dressing. It was great fun and in some ways opened up the window for Mission Impossible franchise nailed by Tom Cruise with impassioned athleticism. Except That's that, wrong. Except that Mission Impossible came out beforehand. Yeah. 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 I'm okay. going to call that a brag. Yeah. Also an incorrect one. Yeah. Okay, so here's something we've been talking about lately. Val, if you are watching. Listening. Or listening. You I may want to not this part. We might drag you a bit. Okay, we've been, uh, we've been talking recently about... Okay, so Top Gun Maverick is coming out. Very excited about it. And we were talking... Very excited. Um, The trailer looks great. <laughs> Tom Cruise and cast went up in actual jet planes. Yeah. Wild. Um, and we've been talking about the, the longevity of the Mission Impossible franchise mm-hmm. and how they've arguably only been getting better. Yeah. Um, And then we talked about in Top Gun Maverick what it must be like for um for Val and Tom to be back yeah to be back in face to face when the last time they were well, back in face to face face to chest were <laughs> yeah drag on Tom he's small um with um Top Gun original where they were like almost where they were like cresting being yeah. top of their top of the game top top of their popularity top whatever you want to call yeah, it top, top of, of the, the gun, gun. I spent Maverick kind of thing um which one, is an interesting one of the thing two to look won at. The 90s. Yes. Yeah. 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 And exactly. one of the two won everything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that I, must be a hard thing to uh like as much as like I mean hard in quotations, like you said about yeah. like, being rich and famous. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Like whatever your struggles are daily, like you're still a human being. You have like thoughts and feelings and yeah. things like that. And that must be um that must be a tricky scenario. That's a tricky situation. Yeah. So it's interesting that, um, yeah, like Mission Impossible and The Saint are such similar starters. Yeah. But Mission Impossible exploded and yeah. is just literally into the stratosphere and beyond. Yeah. And The Saint it was one movie. Yeah. Which is amazing. It's a perfect film. It's a perfect film for so many reasons. Um, yeah, I kind of wonder, like, you know, it seems sort of like, like Eric Stoltz in Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you get over that? Mm -hmm. 
But you know, it's like I've been I've been listening to the Happiness Lab, the podcast, mm. and oftentimes the things that we think are like world ending for mm-hmm. us end up being like the biggest open doors. Yeah, totally. Because it's like, um, I mean, not to speak for Val, uh, but it's like, well, what are you looking <laughs> for? Like, what are you? What is the ultimate validation? What is yeah. happening? Like, what are you chasing? How can you know, can that bring joy? Like, what are, what you know, what are the end goals yeah. in our lives and things like that? Um, As and my therapist would say, mm-hmm. once we learn to self-validate, we no longer need to seek external validation. Totally. And to quote BoJack Horseman, an excellent animated television show, I think. Um, there's that moment where BoJack's like, I'm all about secretariat. I want to be on secretariat. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get nominated. And then he gets nominated for the Oscar and there's like a close-up. Legitimately, I think this is, like, a great moment of television. They close up on him, and he says, I feel the same. Yeah. And I think that's a great moment of television. Totally. You're like, yeah, it probably feels great, but also the same. Yeah. It doesn't fix anything. Yeah, it's, like, the thing, like, most teens who are trying to get into Harvard are, like, man, if I get into Harvard, then I will be happy forever. Mm-hmm. But really, it's, like, you're happy for, you know, a week, and then you go back to your, your happiness neutral. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway, in chapter <laughs> in the Saint, I spoke in a variety of accents, <laughs> wore a variety of disguises, pulled off a variety of stunts. Not so well, I might add, as, uh, as Cruz or Damon, but I gave it my all. <gasps> he specifically mentions Cruz. Yes, interesting. Well, Tom Cruise is a maniac, and he goes into space, so yeah. <laughs> there's no comparison. I must make a public apology to the writer, Wesley Strick, whose characters I refashioned from start to finish. The script was great, but I knew we had the opportunity to do something special with the main character to be unique. That sounds like a brag. Yeah. Bean shot. You didn't spill any this time. Yeah, I know. I did really well. I'm growing as a person. You're here with me, listener. And that always makes people nervous. I explained to the executives that uh, the executive. Uh, I explained to the executives <laughs> the studio sent out to meet with me and discuss the project that the audience doesn't care about the studio. They don't care about safe choices and good investments. They care about stories and they want to be moved, to be stirred, to be lifted out of their seats, impassioned with every fiber of my being. I pitched my fully fleshed idea, and they went for it. <laughs> David Brown, the classiest of all the producers I had ever worked for, his films include The Sting and Jaws, upon my initial arrival at Heathrow, was there to greet me holding an umbrella and wearing a three-piece suit, overcoat, and hat. After a grand hug, his first words were, My star. (laughs) I almost wept. Oh. (laughs) I asked him, Why are you here? Is Helen on my flight? I didn't see her. His wife was Helen Gurley Brown, chief editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan, who loved me doubly because of Cindy. Oh, now, <laughs> Allie is readying the next shot. <laughs> now, my dear boy, I'm here to pick you up and welcome you to London. I hugged him again. It wasn't fashionable yet to hug men, but I hugged him. <laughs> <laughs> but I hugged him. <laughs> Performative masculinism. I hugged him as though he had just saved my child's life. Wow, so bold. You don't. You're really brave. (laughs) Yeah. 
You don't know what it's like to be respected like that on a film. As crucial as actors are to a project, it just doesn't happen. During the shoot, there was a coup among the producers that resulted in David Brown's removal. An unfortunate and mistaken move, in my opinion. Oh, shit. Nonetheless, the film was completed and earned its place, not only as the ongoing franchise I had... Not as the ongoing franchise I had imagined, but as a lively piece of entertainment that had my quixotic nature on the run. Pause. Character on the run. Speaking of um, fucking like franchises and shit like that, um, so recently I've been rewatching the X Men, all of the movies, yeah. and Dougray Scott, Dougray Scott, who's the villain in the second Mission Impossible movie? Like monkeys, they are. They won't <laughs> let go of one branch till they got a hold of the next. Was offered was originally the offer for Wolverine. Did you know that? I did know yeah. that. Yeah, and he uh, turned it down for. Mission Impossible. Um, which, like, at the time, you're like, yeah, totally the right yeah. move. That, yeah, yeah, that's a great franchise. I don't want to be in this nerd movie for nerds. Yeah, comic book movies, those are for dorks. Those will never go anywhere. Yeah. Um, fucking cut to Hugh Jack- Like, what a piece of providence of, like, yeah. Hugh Jackman landing on that and then playing that character for literally 20 years plus. Yep. Good job. So, yeah. It's cray how the things work out. Anyway, yeah. that's the nice. thing. We almost had the Matrix with Sean Connery and Will Smith. Huh. Will Smith would have been alright. Sean Connery's a terrible <laughs> choice. There's so many movies. We almost had Gandalf with Sean Connery. Like, yeah. thank God. Like, it's so funny because, like, um, on the one hand, you're like, oh, hit to my confidence. I wasn't the first choice. But you're like, no, dude, like, the first choice is almost never the right nah. choice. Like, Sean Connery is Gandalf. Kill myself. Ian McKellen? Yeah. Yes, obviously. Yes. Our yes. new best friend, Ian McKellen. Obviously. Yes. 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 Um, uh, Allison graduated with it. She doesn't want to brag about it. I'm going to do it. You just, uh, it's you and me, listener. It's you and me. And, um, oh. <laughs> I spilled the shot as I got closer to you, but it was worth it um, because I'm really invested in our relationship. Um, Allie recently graduated from a very fancy school in London, hashtag England, not Canada. And uh, part of that, because it was the pandemic, um, her school had a guest speaker come in on a Zoom call to kind of make up for like, ah, we didn't get a graduation and stuff. Guys, it was Sir Ian McKellen. We Zoomed with him. There's a Q&A. We talked to him. He showed props from the movies. It was really awesome. I spilled the shot. I'm going to sit down again. That's it. That's the that's the behind the scenes. Go on. The chapter. The chapter. Because Cindy was by my side, we had to sneak around a lot, which puts a strain on a girl who has worked her whole life to become a household name. The day after the movie wrapped, she and I began traveling the world. We were so deeply in love that we started color blocking the interiors of our imaginary ranch the living room was rust the kitchen coral the ranch turned out to be real we were really in new mexico and i was really living a life outside hollywood i credit cindy with my rebirth after the divorce from joanne she was always trying hard to make it work her career and our relationship always sensitive to my vulnerabilities and yet always floating a few inches above the ground why then didn't we last Well, I suppose you could say we had a cat and mouse thing of our own. Right when I was about to catch her for a long weekend by the beach or a month in the mountains, she'd disappear. Right when I was walking across the room to hug her, she was leaving to get on a plane. I could hardly blame her. I imagine she spent much of her life 
fending off the advances of men and, as a result, acquired this defense mechanism that was in equal parts ingenious and infuriating. It was a spiritual bubble, a kind of impermeable membrane that prevented anyone or anything from disturbing her sense of inner peace, accomplishment, poise, and process. She scheduled herself down to the quarter of the hour. She would say, okay, Brazil on Monday, France on Wednesday, and then I'll spend the weekend with you. Even then, I'd think, when are you going to just relax and decompress? Mm. She'd fly to spend the weekend with me, and in the car, before she even came inside, her agent would call. She was the world's most in-demand supermodel, and yet she felt a hunger to keep building and growing. It's a heartbreaker. Cindy was always one step away. We We were together for nearly a year. We didn't fight when it was over. It was a conversation about choices. When's the last time you took a break? I asked. I meant it rhetorically, but she stopped to think and, like a comic book hero, placed her hand to her chin. She considered the question in earnest. After several seconds of silence, she admitted that she couldn't remember. I have tried many times to make sense out of my actions, and even after all these years, sometimes it gets too hard to contemplate. I'm glad she is happy. I wish her well. Hmm. That's bull. You know what? I think that's a really, that's really uh, nice. mature conversation of like, when is the last time you had a break? What's the point in being rich as fuck and famous as hell if you can't yeah. take a break? Yeah, man. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. That's nice. I can't believe you dated Cindy. Yeah. Crawford. Yeah. Not La Lopper. Oh, fuck. If he also did Cindy Lauper, that would be sick as fuck. That would be sick as fuck. Cindy Lauper seems really fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the top... You know what? I was going to ask, what's the top Cindy that you would date? But, like, those are the only two Cindys I can think of. Yeah. So, all right. I'm just going to roll for another <laughs> chapter here. You want to go back yeah. to the index here? I do. Got a four, a 13, and a 16. That's 33 again. Oh, okay. Just uh, roll again. Yeah, just roll again. These loaded dice. 14, 1, and 4. 19! Alright. Shattered. Ooh. This sounds juicy. Yeah. Hope you're enjoying this, listener, so far. Um, if you're not, well, it's going to continue on in this, t- in this tone forever. Um, if you are, feel free to reach out with... Uh, uh, the cinemals at the cinemals the cinemals at gmail dot com or cocktails at hotmail dot com. Well, you spilled all of the white owl spice. I did. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's in the ottoman now. I can see it. If anything, it's killing it. God, I'm such a mess. You're uh, perfect. Shat- Thank you. Shattered. After the doors, which we have an episode on, um, I took a year off and left. Okay, pause. Good for Val. Yeah, yeah. take a year off. Why the fuck not? And left Hollywood and didn't even read a script for seven months. Okay, as like a as like a grindy person on the artist yeah. level who's at like the most minimal version of blah 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 blah. Um. That's a big deal. That is a big so deal. So that's good. Good for him. I'm sure there were like cray offers with millions of dollars yeah. at stake. So uh, work good to for live. You. you don't have to live to work. Yeah, that's right. My agent fairly pulled her hair out that I didn't stay in Los Angeles and lobby for an award. 
Okay, we speak about this on our most recent episode about the, the Prince of Egypt. The P of E. He, uh, no awards for Val. No, no Academy Oakers. Awards for any of his films, basically. Some nominations, some wins, kind of, but like nothing related to him. Huge snubs. Wild. Huge snubs. What's up with that? Famous snubs. Heat. Nothing. Won. Get out of here. Yeah, should have won for Heat at the very least. Mm-hmm. Spartan. Uh, uh, yeah. Original screenplay, David Mount. Get out of here. Get yeah, here. come on. She tried to get me to see how my performance was something many people in our industry wanted to acknowledge, perhaps even reward my effort with a statue. But I always figured that if my work was good enough, it didn't require beating a drum to it. Yeah, that's why he was snubbed. He didn't mm-hmm. cater to their egos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Harvey Weinstein wasn't putting in those ads. Yeah. And besides, I had more important things to focus on. At the beginning of the Jim Morrison saga, Joanne surprised me with an announcement. She had been offered a part in Shattered with Tom Berenger, Greta Scacchi, and Bob Hoskins. The film was being shot in San Francisco. She wanted to accept. I didn't have to remind her that our marriage vow prevented this. Pardon? What? We had pledged to be together during every movie knew the hundreds of ways that filmmaking eats away at a romance if you are both working. I obviously couldn't leave the doors. I had already put body and soul into it. We were about to start shooting. I wanted her to stay with me and asked her to decline the offer. Pause. Not fair. Not fair. She isn't working. And the film she's about to accept isn't the doors. Um, And she's not famous. Yeah. Which is a hard thing to hear. Um... But she's not, so she should have taken that role. Yeah. She wouldn't. I was hurt but not angry. I don't know at what point you stop hurting and start healing. Joanne is a talented and ambitious actor. Ambitious myself, I'd have been a fool not to understand. This was early in her career. Good roles are hard to come by. There was no reason my career should have come before hers. There was no big scene. She left and I continued my work as Jim. I've never said this out loud or written it down before, but I was on edge, anxious and most almost terrifying because I could feel Joanne slipping away. And perhaps it was because I too was slipping away that I'd have visions of her falling for our friends, like the sensuous, quietly mischievous Liam Neeson. Just gonna take a pause for that. <laughs> who Joanne, who had done a film with. Liam was like a modern Gregory Peck who felt to a both of us like the ideal man a perfect cocktail the stoic man scary cooper who had a sense of humor about his good fortune and the paradigm of a suave film star like clark gable (laughs) i remember wondering if she would fall for him he was awfully charming those damn irishmen irishmen (laughs) they say the reason you feel jealousy is because they say the reason you feel jealousy is because you yourself may be entertaining a questionable agenda all possible, and yet my premonitions remained strong. The thing I kept thinking of was the film she was about to make. Shattered! (laughs) Mind you, this was before the birth of Mercedes and Jack, our two beautiful children. Years of happiness lay before us. Years of conflict as well. The dance between darkness and light would continue. I I do believe, though, that it was during these light, dark days of the doors that when Joanne, understandably, took her departure, I knew in my heart that our marriage would not last. Whoa! I ascribe fault to no one. I now see it as a matter of fate. And who was I but the partner who went away literally for half the day, sometimes on our honeymoon? Question mark? What? Wait, what? I need to reread that sentence. And who was I but the partner who went away literally for half the day on our honeymoon? 
What planet was I on? How could I expect her to be supportive about such heartlessness? These are all questions. Nevertheless, I loved being married. And soon, I would love having children. But now, as I was dealing with the blues that come after a film is finished. Hmm. But now I was dealing with the blues that come after a film is finished. All right. It's a postpartum blues. Yeah. Artists can become severely depressed when they're not performing. What is this business of giving our bodies and souls over to magic so mercilessly that we have nothing left for ourselves? Is it God or the devil? Maybe my postpartum, post-doors blues, came from a deep knowledge. Maybe I feared no project would ever be quite as special. I felt like I had experienced glory, nirvana. And what next? To live or die? What would life look like pretending to be normal after getting a taste of heaven? After touching the after touching the pearly gates? Fortunately, someone would enter would then enter my life who no doubt understood these feelings all too well and could offer a sympathetic ear and advice. A legend, a hero, and soon enough, a friend. Mm. Who are you talking about? It's gotta be Marlon Brando. Is it Brando? It's gotta be Brando. I thought they weren't friends. No, they're friends. And then they weren't friends. But then they were. They got back to being oh, friends. Oh, the next, the next chapter's called Brando. Yeah. I fucking called it. You nailed it. Yeah. All right, Allie, roll those dice. Rolling. Hey, listener, dice. how are you enjoying this trip through Val Kilmer's memoirs? Okay, 19 plus 5 is 24, mm-hmm. plus 14 is f- 38. 38. Mm, sure. Right? Yeah, all right. Siren on a snowboard. Ooh, it's about Daryl Hannah. I can feel it. <laughs> it's a romance chapter. A romance. New Mexico was every bit as healing as I'd hoped. I'd managed to marshal my financial resources. I had my ranch. I had my career. And then the universe smiled and said, meet Daryl Hannah. Daryl was and always will be a spirit ahead of her time. Neil Young, I always loved you, but I'm afraid I hate you now. She was... Kind of, she was kind of the female me, except better. <laughs> oh, that's a bit. That's, <laughs> that's a break. That's a break. Cocktails. Mm-hmm. Cocktails. <sighs> We're moving on to a pretty premium. Yeah. I'm not excited about it. Yeah, Greg, you want a shot? Do I want a shot? You do. Just a tiny, tiny bit. I can't, don't fill that up. Don't you dare fill that up. Sorry. Holy shit, you filled it up. <laughs> I couldn't. It went very fast. That's not my fault. I it's hate you so much right now. You yeah, I know. Cocktails. Oh, Special shout out to producer Greg in the house. Hey, you want to wash it down with some copper no, moon? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> he did it. Yeah. You're ah, fine. Swamp. Okay, uh, she'd found her fame at 17 and then turned her back on it. She thought, analyzed, and articulated ideas so rapidly but that by the time I caught up, she was already on to a new cycle of insights. She'd been rock royalty since befriending you 2 at the start of their careers. The Irish boys recognized her divinity. 
She and I were once at the Grammys while U2 was racing at a ferocious clip along the trailers outside the auditorium. They were due on stage. Yet when Bono saw Daryl, he hit the brakes so suddenly that his uber expensive handmade working class boots screeched like he was in a Laurel and Hardy sketch. Not to ridicule Bono's boots. It's just jealousy. I'm a boot fanatic myself. <laughs> Bono, <laughs> Bono and the band stacked up like dominoes atop one another when they realized it was Daryl. She let go of my hand and crowd surfed into their arms. The rock stars turned into their into teenage superfans. Their worship of this woman authentic and pure. I knew that e- I knew that even if they scored a dozen Grammys that night, after the show they'd still be talking about running into Daryl. I don't want to stop talking about Daryl. I want to remember the morning we woke up in her exquisitely refurbished barn in the Teller Telluride. Was that Telluride? Telluride. Okay. Leaning against a wall was a remarkable... Film festival? It's a film festival? She has a barn in the film festival? Maybe. All right. Leaning against a wall was a remarkable piece of... It's a Kia. What? It's a Kia. It's the Kia Telluride. What? Yeah, it's it starts from 46,000 Canadian. No, but... The towing capacity is 2,200. Daryl doesn't own a barn and inside of the And the warranty is five years, 100,000 kilometers. Can you basic. get that for 0% APR? That's right. <laughs> okay, top Google questions. Is the Kia Telluride worth the money? What is the key, the Telluride Colorado famous for? Why are Tellerides so expensive? Who is the most famous person in Colorado? It's Tim Allen. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna leave it there. Great. Great. <laughs> Leaning against the wall was a remarkable piece of art. A long, wide plank of wood. It was a daring piece of avant-garde sculpture. I had to know the name of the sculptor. Daryl laughed and said, it's just my snowboard. What are you talking about? <laughs> Val. I looked over it again and realized she was right. You didn't recognize a snowboard? Jake Burton Carpenter, she said without a hint of pretense. He invented the modern snowboard. He said he'd never made one for a woman. This was his first. What the fuck? <laughs> what the weight, fuck? the strength, the design, the split tail. Isn't it fun? Of course it was fun. Of course she'd be the first woman for whom Burton would fashion a snowboard. I imagine <laughs> that the first lady's tennis racket was made for someone like Daryl. A six foot tall Amazonian tower of delicate power. That that same kind of woman who inspires men to invent myths, blow up castles, and leave their queens. Didn't he just say the same thing about uh, Angelina Jolie? Yes. In a couple chapters from now? Yes. Well. He's a hopeless romantic. Yeah. The next day, Daryl and I hit the slopes. She disappeared so quickly, it was like sleight of hand. By the time I caught up, she was surrounded by a group of guys who had either spotted her or chased after her. They all stood on a perch where the world-class snowboarders paused to stare at the peasants. I wanted to die. They were legitimate X Games champs and gold medal winners, men who owned mountains and countries. They considered Daryl their equal. Yeah, why wouldn't they? Yeah. As best as I could detect, Daryl contained no negativity. Even um, even a man she had dumped, the world's most eligible bachelor, John F. Kennedy Jr., continued cultivating her company. During the day, 
Dear, during the Daryl John, John John, <laughs> that's what it says. Uh, right. Court courtship. The press. Is that went, a reference to Seinfeld? Pause. John John. Yeah, when there's that episode where they all can't masturbate, and yeah. Elaine sees John F. Kennedy, Kennedy Jr. at like a fitness class. Yeah. This is also an episode I didn't understand as a child. I'm like, I literally no. don't know what they're talking about. I peeing? thought they were trying. Yeah, I, I 100% thought that they were trying to hold their pee. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, and I'm then, out. I'm yeah. out. And then Elaine, I'm like, oh, he peed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had to go and, pee. Yeah. And Elaine sees, sees JFK Jr. And she says, uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't understand. I'm like, I guess. Is he a dreamboat? As far as politicians go, I guess. Yeah, okay. I once saw a made for television movie about John F. Kennedy Jr. <laughs> oh, yeah. Played by Hume. Played by Can't remember. Uh, it was on TBS when TBS would make made for TV movies. And nice. movies a week. It was great. Nice. Let's see. He drew me. See. He started a magazine. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay, he's kind of a smell. Hello. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean he's we're a bit spoiled as uh, we live in Canada, so our premier is Justin Trudeau. Has <laughs> that like boxing photo that always shows up on Google? Yep. So, oh yeah, it's yeah. pretty handsome. It's a handsome guy. Dreamboat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they got that curse with their whole family, though. So, so nothing bad ever happens to Kennedys. Yeah. During the Daryl John John courtship, the press went wild because Daryl wouldn't say a word about Jackie. The media manufactured a nasty buzz over a supposed rivalry between Daryl and Jackie. Lies! Daryl and Jackie adored one another. They forged an indelible friendship. Daryl was incapable of describing Jackie's last days without weeping. Jackie asked Daryl to come into her bedroom, sit by her side, and listen to her final stories. Far more than speaking, listening is the ultimate act of love. Daryl also spoke the unvarnished truth. At the Academy Awards, in her golden dress and tinted eyeglasses, her hair dramatically quaffed, she stood apart. On that night of nights, her way of being so effortless, so absurdly attractive, yet so mocking of the event that claims legitimacy in lifting one artist above another. Why burden an actor by suggesting the finest moment of his life is inferior to someone else's, she asked me. If I ran the Oscars, I'd relanguage the awards. No more absolutes, no more certainties, no more best. Instead, a recognition of defining performance, an acknowledgement of a fearless reenactment. That's smart and cool. Yeah, that's smart and cool. Daryl uttered the most intimate words any woman has ever spoken to me. We rented a cabin along the Southern California coast. It had been a long day under the punishing sun. My skin was still pulsing. Night had fallen. A cool breeze offered welcome relief. We were both reading scripts. In the distance, an owl's hoot. A nightingale song, a rustle of leaves. We stayed silent, focused on the pages before us. And then, for no apparent reason, we stopped and faced, each, uh, faced one another. Eerily, we seemed to be breathing as one. A new harmony, an almost frightening closeness. The owl and songbird, the rustling of leaves, the light on the moon, the the, the light of the moon upon Daryl's face. And then her words. Val, she whispered, 
if we marry and have a boy, can we name him Wesley? She touched, opened, and healed my deepest wound, deepest wish, deepest loss. I was moved for days. I floated on a cloud. I knew I would love her with my whole heart forever. That love, invisible, ephemeral, and infinite, has lost none of its strength. I made mistakes with Daryl. Maybe it was possessiveness. Maybe it was ego. Friends, I respect, swear by this analysis, whether the Freudian or Jungian variety. Friends, I respect, employ life coaches to help them understand when and why they go off the rails. Minions, millions follow a spiritual path based on those famous 12 steps. I do feel that I am a stepper. By that, I mean that I believe that we need to keep on stepping. I believe in moving toward forward towards the ultimate goal, unification with, uh, unification with a loving God. At the same time, I continue to lead my life on the run. Lord knows I've suffered heartache with women, but Daryl was by far the most painful of all. Suffice to say, I would have done anything to win her back. God's perfect plan of peace sometimes cannot be understood yet. Uh, must be f God's perfect plan of peace sometimes cannot be understood yet must be followed. I followed a decidedly imperfect path, and yet our connection remains a beacon of hope for the disjointed and lonely. That was really beautiful. And then they made hard cash. And then they made hard <laughs> cash. Yeah. Oh. That's all I can think about, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Like, what was the movie they made together? Hard cash. Hard, hard cash. cash. Or run, run for, for the, the money. money. <laughs> There's also a podcast about that. Don't watch it. It's bad. Yeah. Don't we have it on DVD if you want it. Uh, <laughs> email us and we'll mail it to you. Yeah. Uh, Cinevels at gmail.com. We yeah. have it on DVD. <laughs> what um is the significance of the name Wesley? Okay, so Wesley is his brother who passed away oh. when he was younger. So that's why that was... I don't know if Daryl Hannah knew that beforehand or if she didn't know that Most beforehand. Have. Must have. I feel like um, either way, that's significant. So yeah. um, I've rolled the dice again and I rolled a 1, a 6... And a 20. And guess what that adds up to? 27. Guess what chapter that is? Ooh, did we hit any poetry yet? Damn. No. Oh! <laughs> this chapter is called Batman, comma, but forever? Question mark? Here we go. This is what you're here for. It's what I'm here for. I was buzzed about being Batman. Yeah, obviously. But I, yeah. Already? Like, pause... Yeah, I'm feeling this chapter. Yeah. I was buzzed about being Batman, but hardly for artistic reasons. I had also <laughs> begun developing a feature film version of The Saint, a British spy TV show starring Roger Moore. My idea was to replace Moore in the movie and turn it into a franchise. With two franchises going, Batman and The Saint, I could start an artist's community, write poetry and plays, and become the wild auteur I saw as my destiny. The truth is that Batman became a trap, and the trap was the suit. The slick, sexy, ridiculous, leather and rubber slippery contraption that, in theory, transformed Bruce Wayne into a from man to god. It took an hour to get the thing on and off. Wild. 
That's because Tim Burton's vision for the earlier films had been that the dolphin-like suit be completely seamless. The current director felt current director was that Joel Schumacher or was that not yet? That would have been Joel Schumacher. Great. Felt obliged to use the same design. The suit was masterful, but once I was in it, I could barely move. If I dropped something, I couldn't pick it up. I could hardly see, could hardly hear, and sure as heck fire, couldn't react with any kind of bodily precision. I couldn't really sit and could barely stand. The only way to get my bearings between takes was to lie in a chaise lounge. <laughs> you pushed your feet down and the whole thing magically reclined. The chair became my friend, my crush, and my only comfort. Oh, how I adored that chaise lounge. It was in that wondrous piece of furniture that I experienced an epiphany. I was brought back to high school theater where, playing old characters, I applied gobs of makeup and was often weighed down by heavy costumes. The result was that I moved like an 80-year-old. Now, the rubber so the rubber suit was having the same effect. Here I was, supposedly the world's most agile man who could fly like a bat yet had to struggle to take two steps. In order to answer the call of nature, it took 45 minutes to undo my suit. No. Jesus God in heaven. If you have to pee, you don't got 45 minutes. Yeah. My co-stars were formidable. Two-Face was played by Tommy Lee Jones, already a friend from the Southwest, where he also owned a home. The Riddler was played by Jim Carrey, who was the hottest comedian on Earth and easy to get along with. And Bruce Wayne's love interest, the sexy psychologist Dr. Chase Meridian, was played by Nicole Kidman. Mm. I've always loved Australians. Tom Cruise's wife. Yes! I've always loved Australians. They're frank and fun, and Nicole was perfect in the role. Yeah, I've never made that connection before yeah fuck um unfortunately there was a great deal of unspoken pain during the production jim's dad had just died and one of the first days of shooting he told us a tearful story about how a relative had walked up to him at the funeral with a headshot and asked him for his autograph no i was still mourning my dad we were a sad bunch of superheroes everyone's emotions were raw our director, Joel Schumacher, brought kindness to spare. He was charming to strangers and family members, and especially gracious with my mother, and for the most part, sensitive on set. But everyone has their rough days, and there's always super pressure with superhero films as they burn about 100,000 calories a day. The most fun during Batman was watching what seemed like half the Hollywood community bring their film, they bring their kids to see me in costume. As it turned out, one quick glimpse of Batman was enough. I always thought they needed something from the man in the suit. No way. Every single kid transformed into the bat themselves. It could have been Betty White in there and they wouldn't have minded a bit. Pause. Uh, we need Betty White as Batman. Yeah. That's, it's Let's Betty Batman. It and it's yeah. amazing. Even my own son would come to be obsessed with Batman. But he couldn't have cared less that I played Batman in a movie. <laughs> Years later, I tried to watch Batman Forever with my family. My daughter, who was maybe five, came to me when I was deep into my African screenplay. What? <laughs> and demanded that I prove to her brother and I their father uh, was Batman. Uh, not him. Daddy, she said, Jack is being such a nuisance and he won't stop saying that he is Batman and not you. Can you please prove to him he's wrong? And how am I to do that? I said, I don't know. Show him the movie. Since we didn't own a copy, I had to purchase one in town. <laughs> no streaming back then, kids. They stayed in the room for about 12 minutes and then quietly walked out <laughs> like a 
chump. I sat and watched the entire rest of the film. <laughs> Kids don't want to play Batman. They want to be Batman. And the same with the fans. They don't stay for the glamour. They stay for the truth of a man who struggles with good and evil, who switches from the profane to the sacred and takes it all in stride. The Hamlet who chooses to be. What about the end product, the film itself? I mean, it's so bad, it's almost good. Sorry, can, can yeah. we pause? Mm-hmm. Can you read his take on Batman one more time? Like, what he says Batman is? Kids don't want to play Batman. They want to be Batman. And the same with the fans. They don't stay for the glamour. They stay for the truth of a man who struggles with good and evil, who switches from the profane to the sacred and takes it all in stride. The Hamlet... Who chooses to be. That's great. Yeah. That is Batman. He gets it. He gets it. I've I've always liked him as Batman. Yeah, he's an excellent Batman. I've always liked him as Batman. I know he gets this uh, he gets a bad rap mm-hmm. for Batman because he's considered to be boring. Like that's that's the mm-hmm. main thing that I, I think is leveled against him is that he doesn't really have a take. Mm-hmm. on it and if anything i think the movie deprives him of one mm. yeah you know, of, a, of a of that particular one like because mm-hmm. you yeah. can kind of see that it's in there mm-hmm. yeah like it's not really hinging on his performance there's a lot of other it's shit not, going yeah. on yeah it's not and it's a shame because if it did then maybe we would have gotten ourselves like a Five Batman movies with Val Kimmer. Five Batman movies with Val Kimmer. Like, if you actually make him the star of a Batman movie, who knows? Yeah. Like, because he's... Mm-hmm. That's a good take. That's a really good take. Mm. I regret the kitschiness, in a way, because the character himself is one of America's great pop archetypes. Comic heroes resonate on visceral levels. Batman could be a character out of Ovid's Metamorphosis. Metamorphoses. He contains his opposites. He's good, he's bad, he's human. He's a bat, he's a buddy to Robin, he's a lover to gorgeous gals. He's in hiding, he's out in the open, he's vulnerable, and he's invulnerable, he's solid, and he's flighty. Like so many superheroes, he's able to extend the ordinary into the extraordinary and and defy mortality. Born during the Great Depression 80 years ago, Batman has fired the imaginations of countless kids while raking in billions for the comic book and film industries. You gotta hand it to Batman. He's far greater than any actor attempting to play him. His take is just good. It's yeah. just a really good take. It's yeah. a great final sentence for that essay about Batman. Yeah! This book is good. Yeah, this book's good. And we're... We've been drinking a little He's bit. He's humble in that chapter. He is. Good. There, have been, there, there have been some pretty humble chapters in a row. Yeah. yeah actually. He yeah. humbles himself in that yeah. one. Before a towering figure of American pop of art. Bam. Now I know you're rolling, but I feel like we should cleanse the palate with a poem because he writes a lot of poems. Let's read a book. poem. Okay, I'm gonna try to find. Let's one. do a shot and then read a poem. Okay, great. Okay. Oh no, I lost the page. Ugh, Alberta Premium. Bad. Huh. Oh, oh, it burns like God. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, God. So, is this a poem? It seems like there are stage directions. Oh, it might be a play. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sand by Val Kilmer. 
The set is bare. An actor lays on his side, slightly propped up. Act, and ye shall receive. It lives green from the desert, for the desert believes. Sand, it is poured in my side, when it is still, and it is night, and ground on, e on even lines rests in sleep. When sheets and pillows and smooth mounds that comfort are like home safe, distort to move in, to what is pain for me? Then I move, and then I ask for my dream again. The actor sits up as if he has been taken out of character, looks directly into some members of the house as if they are in charge of his fate, humbly. I'm sorry, can I start over? If there is a response, he, he abruptly changes, almost, as, almost snidely, but with deep compassion, almost sadly, as if there is no way out for any of us, ever. No, and that's a point, for I can never really be sorry. I can only apologize for you. For you, she said... It is plain that nothing can be added to the mind already full. Now I truly believe that, only it must be as when, in our ignorance of innocence. We had our choice of things because we left things the way they are. Without sand, it is poured in my side when it is still and it is night. And I see plain, and my error remains, and I choose to lose my senses to sand. Stage direction, appealing to the ever-present divine presence. Again? The, the end? The end. Okay. 1976. 1976. How old was he in 1976? <laughs> No, I hope it's 12. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that old in 1976. Well, he was born in 1959. So he's 20... Oh, he was 17? That sounds right. That's, that sounds like exactly what you should be writing at 17. Great. What would... If you were to publish a book right now, and yeah. there was an extant... A piece of literature to your name. No. What would it be? No. Mine would be fan fiction. It would absolutely. Lord of the Rings. Yes. Mine would be fan fiction for a fruits basket. Right. <laughs> Mine would be song lyrics. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I Mine also would wrote be lots of song lyrics. Yeah, nice. I also wrote some poetry for a project I had to do on To Kill a Mockingbird about yeah. a house on fire. I don't know if that happened in the book, but I wrote a poem about a house on fire. Nice, nice. I remember word. a dog yeah. got shot. <gasps> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw that one shot, fam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Greg, you were the judge. I was the judge. Uh, in was our first judge year of Taylor. university, Greg was the judge. I was the judge. Yeah. Uh, that was a poem from Val Kilmer. It's called Sam. Or no, it was a play. I think it was kind of a poem, though. Like, it had stage directions, but it was a poem. Yeah. Uh, I've just rolled, and we have another poem so whoa what? okay this is a poem not a play okay that's a great title of a play this is a poem not a play yeah give over to the cause 
Rock and rollers are suckers for love. And I'm trying to get out of here to make the gig. But she's crying in the bathroom at Hollywood and Vine. She wants us to step back, not to coalesce, to progress. Of course, none of it matters. As the sun rises and we bow in reverence and celebrate her eternal charms, our eternal mother, our masterpiece, our reverie, I'm not confused. I'm just singing the blues. I will wait for you. Hollywood, California, 2019. Hey, that's very recent. Yes, I see you're writing a shot of whiskey here. Well, I okay, feel what it. is a poem? Questions. Anyone in the room? What do you is like a poem? poems? Do I like poems? Yeah. No. Because I used to think I liked poems, but I just like the idea of being a person who likes poems. Yeah, I totally, I totally buy that. Like, I love the idea of wearing a fucking beret and glasses that I yes. don't need beside a fireplace mm -hmm. and reading a book of poetry. But if it act, if somebody actually handed me a book of poetry, mm -hmm. I wouldn't know what the fuck to do with it. I used to own the first. Uh, okay, I owned several books of poetry growing up. One of them was Billy Corgan's book of poetry, Great. which I'm going to look up the title to because it's intense. I wrote it on the side of my dresser because <laughs> I really like the Smashing Pumpkins. So um, and I liked William Blake as well, probably because I'd seen Red Dragon. <laughs> and so I was like, I don't know, I guess I like William Blake. He's good enough to eat his painting. He's a painting. He's a painter and a poet. That's good. Um, and I have one of, um, uh, 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 nope, forgot her name. Terrible shout out. <laughs> <laughs> She's Canadian. Sorry. She's the main Canadian poet. Sorry. Margaret Atwood? No. She's I a gotta, novelist. I'll be back. Bad. It's in my room. Oh, Camille's gonna go get it. Blinking um, with Fists. That's the name of the Billy Corgan book of books. What's it called? Blinking with Fists. What does that mean? Nothing. Uh, I think it means boxing. Boxing okay. someone. That's cool. I um, I really like, I th think the only book of poetry I have is um, The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. Uh-huh. Which is like maybe poetry, but like also maybe philosophy, but also like maybe good advice. <laughs> so, so take that as you will. Um, but what is a poem? A poem to me is... Um, uh, song without music. That's, well, I mean, yes, poetry is lyrics. Yeah. Lyrics are poetry. Yeah. And it's a lot like poetry because it rhymes. Yeah. I think I never really, so I am recently discovering that my reading comprehension isn't great if it's not something that I'm interested in. <laughs> um. Shocking. <laughs> I'm sure this is a common problem for people, but in if it's not like teen fiction where I, it, or like if it's not something that grabs me immediately, I have a really hard time like focusing on it. I just sort of zone out. And so that's how I feel about all poetry I've ever read. Mm -hmm. I once told my dad when I was in grade seven, I told my dad I wanted to be a poet um, when I grew up and he sharp turned his head to look at me and said, poets die in the gutter. Um, <laughs> Says another, your dad, the, the painter. The, the visual artist. Yeah, so when I told my parents I want to be a theater actor, they were like, thank God she doesn't want to be a poet. This is a real story. Um, oh, so any of you who are considering your life in the arts, just start with like a less 
quote unquote doable life in the arts and yeah. they'll be thrilled. Like my yeah. parents were like, thank God. Um, and at one time my dad had a bunch of um, books of poetry because he's an artist and I would like apparently, I don't really remember this, but I remember this interaction with him. I would like cavort around the house like singing, like improv, improv singing the poems because as you said, I felt yeah. like, yeah, a poem is a song without music yet and my dad said those are poems they're meant to be said not sung and he was very he was legitimately extremely upset about it and it was a law in our house he couldn't do it it sounds like some that he has a deep respect for poets despite them dying <laughs> yeah. in the gutter 100%. yeah um and the book of the book of poetry that i'm holding my hands here the main canadian poet is uh rupee cower um she wrote milk and honey and like Sunshine, I think, is another name of it. And she's got, like, eight books of poetry. She's our age. She's Great. She's a real thing. This was a this was a gift. I've partially read it, and then I'm like, yeah, this is deep. I'll never read it again. There's, <laughs> there's drawings in it. It's nice. Um, one of the poems is, I don't want to be friends. I want all of you more. And I don't know what that means. I feel like I'm not smart enough to like poems. Do you, yeah. do you guys feel what I feel? A hundred percent. I like when poems rhyme. Is that basic as fuck? There once one was a man from Nantucket. I, uh, because I could not stop for death, he kindly stopped for me. Whatever the rest of that is. Emily Dickinson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, proof yeah. rock. That's a poem. <laughs> Goblin market. Yeah. That's a poem. Yeah. Yeah. Do uh, not go gentle into that good night. Yeah. yeah that's a poem. Yeah. Um... I like haikus. Twinkle, twinkle, little bat. How I wonder where you're at. <laughs> My you name know? is Batty. The logic is erratic. Potato in a jacket. <laughs> I rock and I ramble. Yeah. My brain is, is scrambled. scrambled. Uh... Yeah, that's my thoughts on poems. Like, yeah. okay, I did a class in my first year of university. I did like an English class. I did like an English class. Can you take a shot for that, Bray? Thank you. Yeah. I did an English class. I paid for it. <laughs> I bought. Oh God, I I wait on that. Um, but we did read one poem where I remember nothing about the poem, but I remembered the idea of, like, you can just invent words when you're a poet, which I was like, fuck, can I do that as a playwright? I'm going to do the fuck out of that. You can't. People call you on it. Fucking oh, sucks. Oh, shit. Um, but one of the words that this, like, Canadian poet, who I don't remember, um, did, uh, he invented the word bear hyphen dusky. Bear dusky. What? And like my professor went on about it and I was like, I don't know what it means, but that sounds cool. And I was like, oh, can you just invent things that sound cool? And like that resonates? Yes and no. Depends on who reads it yeah. is the answer I learned. You can. Who knows? If you make it a whole other language, you can. Yeah. yeah. Is Dr. Seuss a poet? Yes. Yeah, I guess I like so. Dr. Seuss. I do too. <laughs> One fish. Two, two fish. fish. Red fish, blue fish. I speak for the trees. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the places you'll go. That's nice. I do not like them, Sam. I am. I do not I like, like green heads and them. <laughs> Every who down in Whoville sure liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. Yeah. Should we read more? Should we? Yeah, I, I don't must know. Stop this Christmas Poems. from coming. 
Poems. Poems. I wrote a lot of Lord of the Rings poetry when I was a kid. Do you have any? Yeah, it's on my laptop. Yeah, like, baby. Uh, edit this after. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all content. No, I wrote uh, uh, some very depressing poetry when I was about 13, as we all do. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. I wrote some really bad songs when I was in middle school. And what high are school. they? I wrote a song called Outcry. Nice. <laughs> like the video game? No. Okay. Uh, it was all just fucking shitty emo rhyming couplets. Yeah, baby. And it was five and a half minutes long. Ooh, yeah. And it had one... Quantity. It had one riff. What's the riff? I don't remember. Well... That's not true. I actually do. I'm just embarrassed by what the riff is. No! Tell us. I could play it for you. Yeah. I could play what the riff is. Yeah! Play it. (laughs) Okay, here's a poem. Alright, everybody. Here's a poem I wrote when I was 12 years old. Just gonna take that age in a bit. Yeah! At the time I was like, I'm 12. I can conquer the world. Again, Um, next year I'm gonna be a teenager. Yeah. I'm gonna be a preteen. I'm a preteen now. Okay, it's called The Ring Wraith. I wrote this when I was 12. Just a reminder here. Gonna read it for the first time in many years. Um, and I printed it out. I printed it on my dad's computer. I took it to school and I tried, and I shared it. Guys. I shared it with the most popular girl in school, Sarah Lajeunesse. She was so cool. She had the really good clothes. They were always Roxy. Oh, no. We should bleep her name. We don't want to... It's Sarah Lajeunesse. No! Um, I'm sure she's living still. Um, and she said it was cool. That's dope. I know. We never <laughs> talked after that, but... Anyway, uh, <laughs> tried to wear a cool outfit that day. Okay, here's the poem. Um, oh, wait, Allie, do you want to read it? Oh, I, I would Please? be honored. Oh my Thank God, you. this is huge. Okay. Please. Oh. The Ring Wraith. The Pact. Fuck. Good together, Allison. <laughs> Who knew we would start with Val Kilmer and we would end with a poem or continue with a poem by me? <laughs> The Ring Wraith, The Passage into Darkness, a poem. No breath, cold night, dark death, carried blight. Wretched heart at death's door, life I part, it beat no more. Carnage malice, toughened skin, rough and calloused, hard from sin, love no more. Life it takes, see the gore drowned in lakes. The wound is deep, no light reaches. A scar to keep drained by leeches. Pale the moonlight shine toward, my heart does fight against the sword. Deep underground, the voices arise. Under the mounds, I'm alive, alive! They buried me long years ago. The light was taken, they made it go. It crept softly without a sound, then sprung upon us, shrill and loud. We had no time, it was too quick. It landed then, it made us sick. The fear was like an eerie chill. The intention was for it to kill. We realized then we had no breath, 
The looming shadow then was death. We cry and cry. There is no sound. There's no one to hear us. There's no one around. We long for the day, the light we seek. It cannot find us. We are too weak. The ones in the ground, they wail and cry. They say they want, they have to die. Their wanting cries are never steady. They realize they're dead already. I fall below the sinking ground, the light I fear I've never found. Again, the black cold in my heart awakens me, and with a start, I fall again, the shadows near. I fall forever, nothing I hear. It's gone, the light, I cannot see. The black, the dark, the black, it's consuming me. There's no life, there's no death. The poison knife torn from my chest. I am one now forevermore. For just one lord I will bow in the lands of Mordor. <laughs> I have no eyes, oh, I, I cannot see. The horse I need, I, the horse I need it for a guider. My horse is black, I am a rider. <laughs> for my heart I have none, there is no back, can't be undone. For my soul there is no faith, I seek the ring. I am a wraith. Oh, <laughs> 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 yeah. That was great. All right, yeah. thank you. Hell yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, that was great. That's <laughs> Poetry Night 2001, literally 20 years ago. Ooh, baby. So you wrote that in 2001. That's right. Was, uh, did you or write... Maybe did early you write 2002. 2002? Yeah, it was going to be like... like February 2002. Yeah, I don't think I would have, like, me personally, I would not have felt comfortable approaching the most popular kid in school mm-hmm. with that poem if yeah. the movie wasn't already out. Right, yeah. You know? Oh, no, 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 I waited for the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, yeah. like, I assume you had a draft written in 2000 or, two, or early 2001. <laughs> whenever you saw the trailer. yeah. Oh, most staff, most staff. I'm like, oh, it's happening. It's happening. It's gonna realize I can fully um, make the pictures in my mind because they're don't make any sense right now. Um, yeah, that was my phone. Thanks for amazing. Being that, it was that wonderful. Was I never Thank thought you. I'm that a voice would be actor by someone who's a professional voice actor. <laughs> oh, that was very exciting. <laughs> so I had a deep. Uh, I had a deep. Um, Commitment to poems that rhyme. Yeah, well, they just sound better. It's true. Guess what? Shock, uh, Shakespeare, that rhymes <laughs> is, is, is easier to mm-hmm. memorize. Yeah. Uh, my mistress' eyes are nothing like the sun. No. Coral is far more red than her lips red. Let me not. If hairs be wires, true minds admit impediments. Love, love is, is not, not love. love, which alters and its alteration binds, binds. Or, or bends to the remover to the removed. No, oh no, <laughs> it is an ever fixed mark. <laughs> uh, Greg, what's your riff from teens? Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. It goes. <gasps> And it just goes on like Great, that. Great, that's like a song, though. That sounds like minutes. a song. Yeah, that's a bop. Yeah. Yeah. That we exists. should revisit it. Totally. No, we, should, we should combine the two <laughs> and make the ring rate the song. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah. Yeah, it's that B flat. It starts on that B flat, and you're like, whoa, what? This is is dark. This is moody. Wow. Well, you. Yeah. Pointing at you. You've sat through a whole lot, listener. Yeah. Shall we treat you with the last chapter of I'm Your Huckleberry? Damn straight. And if you'd like to purchase uh, I'm Your Huckleberry, you I guess you go have a fucking co- store. Coupon code <laughs> The Cinevals mm-hmm. for 0%, zero percent off. <laughs> and an error message. And an ah, error message. And an error message. Who knows if this is recorded? Let's just go for it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Should we do the shot before the chapter or after? I think we need... Well, okay. We've got Dregs Jesus left. God. That's for Greg. Yes. Dregs for Greg. Dregs for Greg. Oh, uh, oppa! Oppa! Poor sink. No, Greg, you gotta drink it. You gotta drink it. We drink it. Yeah, we drink it. I already had a shot. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Peer, Peer pressure. pressure. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. I don't want to have a hurt head in the morning. No, none of us do it. Do it, though. Do it, though. You should yeah. do it. I'll Eat see that chapter. How much is that? It's like... It's barely, barely a tablespoon. Yeah. 15 mils at the most. Yeah. It's I'll drink it like a cowboy. Yeah, drink it like a cowboy. Yeah, From do it like Sam Elliott. From the bottle. Yeah. Yeah, you're like... Yep. Whatever you're thinking. He's like that. Yeah. Tombstone... No, Hell No is the final chapter. I wanted to take the money from Maverick and get a gallery space. This is, is this Maverick? Is this Tom Cruise's Maverick? Yeah. This is current as fuck. Shit. I fell in love with a quaint storefront in an almost hip East Hollywood, in, in almost hip East Hollywood on the corner of Melrose and Heliotrope. Thus the name Hell No. There was also a giant abandoned warehouse next door, large enough to house a good-sized theater. Mm. Then a vision took over, a spirit that commanded me to go for both spaces. We would have we would have offices and a technological hub for the Twain Mania Foundation. We would have a proper gallery where our art and the art of those we admired would be displayed in an elegant setting. In the theater, we would host concerts and plays and lectures and film screenings and poetry readings and dance parties. I would save money to build up my New Mexico ranch. I'd manage to keep 200 acres and finally make my Twain slash Eddie movie. Who's Eddie? Uh, uh, the lady. Okay, great. Edie. Edie. Hell Mel became a reality. We penned our mission statement and painted it on the wall. Hell Mel is a fun, sacred place where eclectic art artists gather to collaborate and through new technology, inspire, giving, and spark change in our local community. And pause. Mary Baker Eddie Eddie is the founder of, or Edie, is the founder of Christian Science. Ooh, got it. Christian Science. That sounds like an oxymoron. And (laughs) Pell-Mell, muses, friends, and collectors came calling. They seemed to find the space by chance or by destiny. Our intimate but lively gallery was soon filled with giant paintings of Bowie and charcoal drawings of the Chateau Marmont by Eric Nash, Polynesian pop art by Bosco (laughs) Hjernyak. Okay, his last name is, their last name 
is spelled H-R-N-J-A-K. Right. How would you pronounce that? Oh, my. There's not enough vowels in that. <laughs> yeah. Here in yuck. Pupils got the hiccups. Uh-oh. And work by so many other bright young minds, as well as myself, the old dude making it happen. One night, we had a group show, and the whispers were all around. Dylan might come. I sat in my favorite office chair. Who's Dylan? Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan? Looked through our skylight in our spotless, refurbished warehouse space, and exhaled so deeply I almost fainted. That this was what I always wanted. An enclave in which bohemians and pirates and academics and lovers could congregate and make things and connect. They say when one of your five senses is compromised, you can feel the others becoming heightened. My speech was compromised, but I was seeing and feeling things I had never seen or felt before. Why? I suppose that's just simply the way the world works. And we do not, and we just do not know what is ahead. Uncertainty, I realized, is holy. Death may come. Dylan may come. And there isn't much we can do about it except sit back, breathe, and enjoy looking at the sky. There are afternoons in my home high above the Hollywood Bowl where when I watch the setting sun and reflect on friends who are gone. Sometimes I laugh from the memories. Sometimes I cry. I think of Marlon Brando. I think of David Warlow. I think of Gordon Miller. I think of Sam Shepard. I think of Tony Scott. I think of my mother. She died last summer at a glorious 93 in her longtime home in Wickenburg, where she had become royalty. I love and miss her a lot, even though she was really tough on her two remaining boys. Locals we're still in touch with in Wickenburg always say how often she spoke so lovingly and fondly of us. I'm not so puzzled about this aspect of her inability to relay love. It's a mysterious attribute the Swedes seem to own. They seem to like to be blue. Maybe it's the weather up there. Mum's life had been uneven, but her faith had been constant. She had bequeathed that faith to me. Some say you choose your parents. Who says that? Don't people say you can't choose your parents? Yeah. You yeah. can't choose your family. That's you can't. True. Some say you are given the parents you need. I needed my mother badly. I needed her before the cataclysmic divorce from dad, and I needed her after. I needed her always, and I need her still. Today, I will wear her turquoise, her turquoise necklaces to keep her close to my heart. Then, only a few weeks ago, I lost my dear friend Robert Evans. How I loved Bob. To provide levity after his devastating stroke, I I proposed the first all-male heterosexual marriage. Proposal rejected, but I did manage to get him laughing. He was one of the youngest studio heads in history, and the sharpest, who (coughs) regally commanded the best office on the Paramount lot for three decades. Bob also saw himself as a great filmmaker, though he did, ne- though he never directed and didn't know which end of the camera to look through. During those post-stroke Wait, days, <laughs> uh, during those post-stroke days, I visited him at the UCLA hospital, where he was encased in tubes and could barely speak. "What do you want?" I asked. "What can I get for you?" 
long and ominous pause. Then his answer, drawn out for what could have been days, cocaine. (laughs) He and I laughed so hard he almost blew the tubes out of his head. Bob was the last grand ringleader in Hollywood history. It was, I was so fortunate that he understood me. So have the women in my life. I miss the company, yet am not unhappy. In some ways, Daryl felt like the end of that whole piece of my personality. We loved deeply and fought deeply, and every day with her was that unique once-a-decade spring when there's a beautiful storm followed by a priceless rainbow. The eternal ribbon of hope that once established as part of your day, you cannot live without. When we finally broke up, I cried every single day for a year, for half a year at least. What? Oh my god! Until I became very concerned about my kids seeing me that way. I thought, grow up. I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do it to them. I am still in love with Daryl, but I joke that she really did play the lead in attacking the 50-foot woman, and that's just how I felt. Spent. It was no great surprise that she wound up marrying Neil Young. It was a matter of one giant attracting another. Those kind of rip-your-heart-out relationships had become so normal for me, they were just no good anymore. Love was at the core of my life. That was for sure, but it was the kind of love that was building towards a life of service. My old friend Gordo, a serious student of poetry, had a famous teacher who once reminded me of his most promising pupils. With poetry, you have the opportunity to refine your entire life into a single stone. Yes, and you, one must, stone. you must take every hour to press and mold the clay of your life into that stone. And then in the last half of your life, just make sure you are polishing the right stone. After yep. Daryl, I had nothing left to give except to my church, to my kids, to my art, to my foundation, and to myself. When I stopped focusing on finding the perfect wife, that energy stream channeled into another equally wild and mystical adventures. Avenues. I longed for a deeper layer of exploration. I made a decision that rather than looking for love, I would let love be me. Let love be my life. Let love seep through the pages of this, my life story. Let it be known that this story is far from over. I hear Robert Frost saying, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep. And I hear Twain saying, I do not fear death. I have been dead for billions and billions of years before I was born and had not suffered the slightest inconvenience from it. I hear Wallace saying, at evening, casual flocks of pigeons make ambiguous undulations as they sink downward into darkness on extended wings. Mark Twain's was better. Agreed. (laughs) I'm not going to pretend to know how that Quotes fits in here. <laughs> I know that it goes. So, Craig, you can edit around. No, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I can't edit around oh, the heck. I'm no. so sorry. Not. I just like it. <laughs> I wish to be. Oh, no. I wish. 
that day by day is generated by the poetry of my heart. The poetry that was there from the start. It was born inside my grandmother, grandfather, father, and mother. Born inside my brother, Wesley. I have his poetry and his wings. He has mine. You have mine, and I have yours. Those wings, that ability to transcend the suffering of human drama, is the gift of the inaudible and invisible spirit whom we hear and see as clearly as Stephen's undulating pigeons. We see spirit in the mist and fog. We hear spirit in the silence of the stones. Polish those stones. They make a noble life possible. We feel spirit every time we love. Every time we forgive, every time we scorn, every time scorn is overwhelmed by empathy and bitterness, overcome by compassion. The song says we shall overcome. My voice will come back. If I recall, the scripture says joy will come in the morning. It isn't just that everything is going to be all right. Everything is all right. Right now. Right now, the energy grows. I feel it now. I feel it more now than at any other moment in my life. The energy allows me to channel the gratitude that drives me home and drives me to you. The energy is transferable. The energy is contagious. The energy is eloquence. I offer it to you. It is this energy, this crush on the beauty of the universe that makes everything deeper. Every act of tenderness, every optimistic thought. It is exquisite and it isn't going anywhere. It is the energy of eternal love. Yeah, eternal love. The end. The end. Oh my god. Oh, mercy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you, Valerie. You've. <laughs> you did good. How. How many vowels would you give that book out of maximum vowels, Ellie? Uh, I think it's like, I think it's like very sincere and like in many ways very lovely. It's an earnest book. (laughs) It is an earnest book. It is. It really is. I'm very drunk, but I'm furnace. This furnace. It's a furnace. <laughs> it is Ernest. Craig, you'll edit around all of this. <laughs> I'll probably end the episode 20 minutes ago. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Bless you. Just, Keep... get a, just get the side off clean. All yeah, right. you all don't right. need my palm in there. That's too much. Good God. That'll be <laughs> <laughs> I should have said to his literary agent, you don't need all these fucking poems. I feel like I very well will put the last 20 minutes of this on Patreon. This I is, don't know This what is you paywall mean. content. I don't know. I don't know. I think anyone should have to pay for this. Yeah, it should be. They get money. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> boy. Well, Val. Val. Valerie. Thank you for your contribution to art. Yeah. Um, thank you for your words. <laughs> Hollywood is fickle. Hollywood is fickle. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I hope I never get as famous as Val Kilmer. Yeah. Is 
Seems like more pain than reward. Yeah. Honestly. You said it. Yeah. I mean, being rich, it'd be good. Also, burden. Okay. So. I never said I didn't want to be as well. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just said I didn't want to be as famous. Oh, let's, yeah. Let's just back okay. it up here. All right. Touche. Touche. All right. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Thank Great. you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For joining us down this, um, I, is it safe to say this is the last episode of Cocktails? Yeah, okay. We can say that safely. Yeah. Alright. Great. I mean, it's quite a good episode of cocktails. There was so many cocktails. There were actually no cocktails. It was just whiskey. Yeah. (laughs) The ultimate cocktail. Shots. Shots of three different kinds of whiskey. It's nice because you can pretend that you're a giant while you're drinking them. That's right. Yeah. Cocktails. Is that where you want me to stop? That's the end. 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 That's the end